a lot of people think that they're providing a service to people who have bad credit. Mm -hmm. That's not true in a lot of cases. Not in all of them, but in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. What they want you to do is pay an egregious interest rate because you can't get a loan somewhere else. They know you can't. They know you can't, or they know you're unlikely to get a loan with a lower rate somewhere else for sure. Mm -hmm. They hope you default so they can take your car and sell it to somebody else. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. <laughs> ready, round two. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we got a good one for you. We're going to dive into how the Fed has more work to do as inflation still presents danger. See how I'm reading like Chris does? But... They're not going to be able to tame inflation unless they do some significant rate hikes. After that, we'll get into how Americans are spending like crazy and some subprime auto lenders are folding because Americans are just following behind on their car payments. And then to wrap it all up, we'll get you up to speed on some crypto stuff. That's why you don't do the introductions, Chief. <laughs> that right there. What do you mean? That, that was rehearsed. That was not rehearsed. That was practiced for like thirty minutes. That's you a lie. You You're lying. You're no, lying I to the people. Lying. I am not lying. That that is why you don't do the intros, brother. Don't do this. It's a lot easier watching somebody else do when you criticize. <laughs> yeah, huh? you criticize it. Yeah, yeah, you in a room. Go ahead, start talking your trash. Yeah, we thought so. You could do better. Yeah, and how did that work out for you? Okay. <laughs> That yeah. was that was much better than Chris. Chris would have sense. No, stop. That would have been like ten minutes stop for Chris. No, nope. okay. Let's focus on on the show. All right. Before we get into any of the stuff that Saeed tried to talk about and could not articulate professionally, mm. I need to break down what's going on in the world interest rate probability situation. And for those of you who don't know, Bloomberg has a little uh little little prediction mm -hmm. for the markets. Okay, known as WIRP which really tells you the probability of the next Fed interest rate increases. Mm -hmm. And today, the day that we're recording this, I believe it's 27th of February. Yes, it is. It, uh, it had some pretty significant changes, but there's a lot we need to break down here. So let's start with the basics, okay? 3-22-2023, the March Fed interest rate increase. Yes. 119.1% probability. That means the market overwhelmingly believes that there will be a 25 basis point increase yes but we need to keep our eyes on that number because for every hundred percent mm -hmm. so if it was 200 percent, it'd be a 50 basis point increase right there is a growing part of the of the population of people who call themselves economists right who believe that a 50 basis point number may be coming and what they're still waiting on is these february uh, reports that are coming out yeah there's a jobs report this friday there's a number of reports that are coming out they expect inflation to be hot. reports inflation reports yep white hot yeah white so hot, huh? white hot 
So then in May, there is now a 104.1% probability of an interest rate increase for another 25 basis points. Believe we called that? Believe we did call that. And by we, he means him. But what's interesting is the last time we did this show, Mm -hmm. it was teetering somewhere between 64 and 80% probability. It is now over 100% probability. And remember, these get more accurate the closer you get to the actual Fed interest rate increase. Right. And now June, June 14th, 2023 is a 71.6% probability. When they get to 100, that's 25 basis points. So you could certainly see a case that the market has now started to accept. You're going to have a March, you're going to have a May, and likely going to have a June interest rate increase as well. And you have to keep your eye on what's going to happen in the next, call it, mm, 23, 24 days. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there very well could be an extra 25 basis points, which needs to be baked into what the market expects is going to happen in March. Right. And a lot of this, I think, is stemming from not only the jobs report that, that came out hot, the PPI report, the CPI report. We know from the beginning of all this, the Fed has cited their preferred measure of inflation has been PCE. Yep. And PCE, personal consumption expenditure, right? That's just another index for how you know, inflation is being measured, right? Um, this sources this information from businesses versus consumers, the consumer price index. You see how off you are when you start the show? What? If you would have just let us roll with normal, you'd been all right. But right now you seem a little off. No. I huh. feel it. I feel it in my bones. How is it? That, that, was, that was, that was, that was, that was perfection. insecure in what that was, that was, that was perfection. I'm going to Jedi mindfuck you this entire <laughs> I show. I know you're trying to. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. So at the same time, the market started to accept these changes some interesting things started to come out. As I was watching CNBC today, you saw the 10-year at its highest level since November. I think it peaked up to about 3.918%, a little over 39 I think, throughout the day, but never hit 4% from what I recall. But the two-year Treasury note, still an inverted yield curve, 4.795%. Right. So it got the closest it's been in a while to coming out of the inversion, but still very, very far away. Right. And then... There was some commentary, which I happened to take a, a screenshot of. And Arun, if you could move it down a little bit. There you go. The war on buybacks was the commentary. And I saw Buffett blasting critics as, quote, economic illiterate. And by critics, you mean Democrats. I was trying to keep this non-political or non-partisan, <laughs> but thank you for, for pointing that out. But I thought it was hilarious for a different reason. I think so many people are economic illiterate. Mm-hmm. So many people. And well, I Warren Buffett himself identifies as a Democrat. Why? Why are you got to go to the politics, man? I'm just saying. But let it go. I, if I said it that way, I got to say it, it the it, other way let too. It go, let it go. They don't. You don't have to get in this political backbone. Who, who said? I'm just saying. Like you know, let it go. He's he's talking about people understanding economics at its core, its fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a great example of this are people who like to argue with me on social media, oh, yeah, yeah, saying yeah. that home prices are not going to go down. Unless there's a flood of supply on the market. And yes, they all sound like Dave Ramsey. I don't mm. know why. And that's not true. And I can. And here's the part that blows my mind. The fact that I have to prove this out to people, even though we're in the middle of this already happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Black Knight's data we reported on last show or two shows ago with Yahoo News syndicating it out. Clearly showed that home prices had gone down in a lot of major metropolitan ar- markets. Right. That wasn't because there was a flood of supply that hit them. Mm-hmm. It's because demand without affordability is not demand. One of the key concepts that we have talked about on this show over and over and over again. Right. So you ready to get into inflation? I'm, I'm ready to get into inflation. But you mentioned mentioned what Warren Buffett said about buybacks. So I don't think we should just skip over it. Um, I feel like we should because I don't want to get into the political bipartisan conversation. No, forget that. Just 
to discuss what are you know, you corporate yourself, buybacks. Can you hold yourself accountable? Yeah. <laughs> what, like a, what are corporate buybacks? It's when a corporation buys back its own shares. And when they do that, it reduces the number of shares that are out there, which ultimately increases the value of the remaining outstanding shares. And it's seen it. It's it's a scene. It's a scene. Oh, wow. Okay. Go ahead, Peanut Gallery. And boom goes the dynamite. There you go. I got there you go. I got my, my No, stand. I knew he researched it. Though. He wouldn't bring it up if he didn't research it. Why my, are you acting like he caught me? Arun, <laughs> bro, you were gone last the way, time. The way you asked that we, question we, is we, we respected yeah. your your you absence. Know. We even had a little like fat stuffed animal over there <laughs> to make us think of you. And now you're life over here. Size? Just, yeah, it, no, it wasn't life size. They don't make them that big. But yeah. yeah, no, I knew he knew what it was, but he missed a big point. It tells the market that you have confidence in where your company is going and your stock price. From the corporation's perspective. It's, it's a very big indicator. Yeah. If, you're ha- if you have this excess capital and you can buy back your own stock, you're telling the market you believe in what you're doing. You do believe in what you're doing. Now, here's a question I have from you for an executive at a publicly traded company. If a corporation is going to buy back its own stock, would a corporation wait to do that when they believe their stock price is the lowest it'll get to? And that's when they execute. Not that? always the case, surprisingly. Not always the case. Mm. I, I, because typically speaking, if your stock price is that low, there's usually something fundamentally like. So if you're trading below tangible book value or something right. like that, right? There, there's something that the market perceives that you might be doing wrong, or you might have a weakness in the in the market ahead. Or the or sector like itself. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of reasons why that, that isn't necessarily always the case. Typically speaking, you you buy back more when you have retained capital, retained earning. You have you have excess money to spend yes. that you could do something with. Right. And it really benefits the investors that are investing in it, right? Because this is not it's a way for their value of their shares to go up and without them getting taxed on it because they're not executing on selling yeah, their it, shares. Another thing this does, it increases the earnings per share. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah which because is less shares. Which, yeah, because they're yeah. less shares, right? And what that that is a tool that investors use to see if a company is profitable. I'm doing yeah. Obama hand gesture again. You are. You can't stop. Not I can't. This that. is it's just so what I. This yeah. is just now what I do. EPS is one of my favorite indicators for stock. Frankly, I, I like it for a lot of reasons, especially when you combine it with the people who actually own the stock at the company, uh-huh. because the earnings per share are, are what each individual, especially there's a dividend too attached to it. Right. So I think that these these are kind of the things that I look at whenever I'm looking at companies that I'm looking at investing in for long time long term. Right. That are not like large companies like Apple or Coca Cola or stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking to invest in like a smaller company that might be publicly traded that just got some lift, I want to know those things. Right. How much stock does the ownership have? Are there dividends? Is that where they're making more money than their salary? For example, do they have a vested interest in the company doing well and declaring dividends and maintaining those dividends because they themselves derive more income from that than they would their salary? Mm, those are some gems. You're dropping gems today you know, for I'm the out, listeners. I'm out here doing sciences, bro. Sciences. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here doing sciences. Got my bachelor's. So let's talk about Roger Ferguson. Mm. Roger Ferguson, uh, former Fed Reserve Vice Chairman, he joined Squawk Box, which is a terrible show, don't watch it, mm-hmm. to discuss whether January's job report was an outlier um, and is there are there more to come. So what I'll say is is, is he's preemptively talking about the jobs report, which is coming out this Friday. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, you know, hey, was this half a million plus jobs that was a complete outlier? Was this, was this that crazy or are we going to see another print? So right. Arun will play this. Go for it, brother. Bring in former Fed Chair uh, Roger Ferguson. He's a former president and CEO of TIAA and now a distinguished fellow for international economics with the Council on Foreign Relations and a CNBC contributor. The, uh, Roger, good to see you. The, the, uh, the murmurings about 50 basis points, uh, it, it went up a little. It's not a 
It's not at 50-50 yet, but it's getting close. We've got a number on, um, on Friday that might play into this. My, I keep asking the same question, Roger. Is it possible, you know, things go gradually until they happen all at once? I mean, could we get to a, a number that just, like this Friday, it's not going to be 500,000 new jobs probably. Could it just disappoint in terms of, I don't know whether that's, the call had a disappointment if it was soft, but could it be much less than, than la- could last month have been an outlier? Look, so uh, thanks. I think possibly last month was an outlier in terms of the 500,000 number. You know, the, the weather has been relatively mild, et cetera. But I think the more important message, you know, going through the ups and downs that we're seeing here is that inflation is still very much a clear and present danger. Uh, the Fed has more work to do. And I think the market has come around to recognize that uh, by pricing in perhaps a 50 basis point number. But more importantly, I think pricing in a higher terminal rate uh, and I think taking out of the market an expectation uh, of a pivot uh, towards cutting rates towards the end of this year. So I think the market is finally getting the message uh, that the Fed has work to do. And the Fed itself, um, I think, fully recognizes that as well. So I Mm. thought you would take a victory lap on this. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? You've said so much of this on the show before. I have. You, you talked about the Fed terminal rate being bumped up. Mm-hmm. We talked about it even hitting possibly 6%, and we're not far off. We're not that far off, no. I mean, based on what we know as, as consensus now, we're not far off. Right. Now, you know, what got me thinking when I watched this video when I was prepping for the show is... You didn't do that. It's a lie. I didn't. That's not true. It is true. That's not true. I love me some Roger Ferguson. Do you see? Did bro, you, you, if were just, you, you were just making fun of him all, all, off the screen because he was bro. looking. He was looking. What was the guy's name that was asking him the question? I think he was drunk. He was. He, he, he was, he was like, hurry up and give me the question. He was stumbling like me, and at least I admit to drinking on the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, Listen, I know that nobody watches Squawk Box, Mister yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, like, hurry up! It's not about you. It's about Did me. Did you know that toilets are also named Ferguson? <laughs> <laughs> no. So it got it got me thinking when. Jerome Powell and the, all the other FOMC members came out last time, and they declared another 25 basis point rate hike in the beginning of February, right? They had no idea of the data that they were about to get hit with. And you know, I, I don't know that, though, man. So there's so many people. No, they didn't, because he, he came out almost celebrating Jerome Powell at his last press conference, well, he talking about how like fast it. inflation is coming down, and he talked about all those things, okay? And then... Almost celebrating? Come on, that's a stretch. No, no, seriously. He, I don't think he was almost he celebrating. Was, he was very, very he was, positive. He was happy that, that he started to see some traction. But, I mean, like, these are the same mm-hmm. FOMC. By the way, do you think anybody from the FOMC actually has an FOMC tattoo? I mean, you should. For it's life. Like, it's, like, it's like the Avengers, right? right? All the like, Avengers have the Avengers tattoo. Assemble! Like, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah. I think he was just happy. But I think he's been saying all along, the FOMC's been saying all along, they're going to hold rates through 2023. Right. They knew it wasn't going to be a quick, quick fall. Mm-hmm. Plus, they, if, they did think that this thing was going to get turned around by the end of the year, possibly. That's where they kept hope for the soft landing rhetoric. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Arun's on like this full out like surge to find Joe Kernan's Wikipedia page. Here, hold on. Let me think. <laughs> go ahead. Explain yourself. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm just trying to find who, who this guy is that interviewed Roger Ferguson. I'll tell you yeah. right now that that is an absolutely terrible photo of anybody. So I hope yeah. that's not him. Exactly. Because him without makeup on is very not attractive. <laughs> that's rough. Yeah, he, he's not a good looking dude. That, that You should be ashamed. He is an American newscaster with that face, too. That's a feel bad for Penelope Scott. Woo! Yeah. Well, right after the guy's wife. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> 
All right, so before Saeed goes on any more offensive rants, let's talk about what key inflation measures rose by 0.6% in January, Mm -hmm. which was, as we know now, more than expected. Right. According to CNBC, let me read you the high points. The core personal consumption expenditures, as Saeed referenced at the top of the show, price index increased 0.6% for the month and was up 4.7% from a year ago. Mm -hmm. Headline inflation increased 0.6% and 5.4% respectively. All the numbers were higher than estimates. The numbers suggest inflation accelerated to start the new year. Yeah. Putting the Fed in a position where it likely will continue to raise interest rates. Really puts them in a really difficult position, which is why I think the Bloomberg projections for May and June came out stronger today. Um, that's why they are the way that they are based on this report, I think. Well, it was also the Fed minutes last week, I want to say. I got a lot on that, too. Yeah, the Fed minutes The Fed minutes pretty much torched the market that day. It was, it was a fucking bloodbath. Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was not ideal. Right. So some things that were noted in those Fed minutes. It said, quote, as long as the labor market remains tight, wage growth and wage inflation will put upward pressure on prices. So labor market, average hourly earnings grew at 4.1%, meaning our purchasing power is declining. Yep. Right? I mean, this is not good. Think about it. If wage growth grew 4.1%, but inflation is at, what did you say, 5.7% for this? Or 4.7% year over year for core inflation, 5.4% for PC uh, not stripping out uh, food and energy, right? Then we're losing purchasing power on all this. Let me put this in a different context. Let me make this real simple. I feel this shit. Mm-hmm. I feel it. When I go to the grocery store, the numbers are higher. When, when I go to buy things, the, the numbers are higher. Right. When I go to restaurants, the numbers are higher. Right. I kid you not, for my son, my wife, and me, I ordered literally Postmates, I think it was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got chicken strips and some french fries. Right. I got three, I got like an appetizer. It was like three little bowel, like pork-filled balls. Right. Don't, don't go there. Okay. okay. And my wife got pho, yeah. soup, what made water, you, and noodles. What made you feel like you could have that? You felt like you earned that? No. That was a cheat meal for you? No, I've accepted that I'm fat. <laughs> yeah. I've accepted it. Like, I, I am now embracing the, the overweight culture. It's actually, this might, might be Arun. Arun, <laughs> yeah. as, as a fellow member of this overweight society. <laughs> I knew where this was going. So did I. Like, do you feel good all the time? Or are there times where, you know, you get gout? <laughs> This guy, this guy, there's something you should know about Odun. Every time he gets a, a good meal in front of him, he's got like this little happy dance he starts doing. Like a wiggle? Yeah. And he's I got like, one of those now too. And he like, he hums to himself. Oh yeah. That's awkward. Don't it's, do that. Don't, don't hum in front of me. He's like this. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see you do like this shoulder yeah, you do. twitch. Hey, when we go to dinner. You like shoulder belly dance? Is that what you oh, do? Yeah, I do it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for you, for someone like you to feel it. And hey, look, hold on. Th- Real quick. I ain't going to be fat. Anymore. Wow, you cut the host oh. off in the middle of the show. No, no, yeah, he the can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, ain't on. gonna be fat anymore. Yeah. I ain't gonna be fat no more. You tell. <laughs> I joined the gym today. Oh, oh congratulations! Oh. Thank you, thank you. We made a decision last week that you said all three of us were gonna start uh, this week. I was totally being sarcastic. What gym did oh. you join? Twenty-four. Uh, Look at you! Congratulations, big man. box gym, man. Look yeah. at that. Yeah, big box gym. You, you, you started working out yet? Uh, no, or I you just joined. Today. You, you went there, joined, and left. Yeah, <laughs> that's step exactly. one. Uh, yeah, step okay. one is admitting <laughs> you have no, a problem. No, 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 no. I'm 100 supportive. No, no, no. I'm, I'm starting tomorrow. I'm 100 supportive. Wow, I'm you're not going to fashion him? No, not at all. I think what you're doing is a great no, thing. I mean, we Good have the you. treadmill at home. I just can't take that risk with my ankle. So Saeed yeah. was like, "Yo, start swimming. Get on the elliptical. Do something else where you're not ride the bike." How are you going to find time to go though? I'm going to wake up early. 
Mm. It's 24 hours, bro. What do you mean? It is 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, waking up early is, I, I think it's brilliant in theory. But for parents, it's tough. Like your 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 single friends on social media, like, oh my god, I was in the gym at like five, like crush the day, get out there, grind it, hustlers ambition, and you're like, bitch, I got kids. Right. No. It's tough. Especially when you start to realize that you know how valuable sleep is. You need that rest. Yeah, you need that. I'm telling you, diet and sleep are more important than, than working out. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I think yeah, you should. Yeah. And that's good. Because if you, you go if because you gotta think long term, right? Yeah, no, we started we we meal prepped on Sunday. So we meal prep. What you guys? What? What you guys meal prep? Uh, ground chicken and then grilled chicken with teriyaki sauce, uh, steamed veggies. Be careful of the teriyaki sauce. It could be a lot of sugar in that stuff. Yeah, we did half of it. So like okay. it was like a packet. Coconut amino is a great alternative. Great, I know alternative. that was the one that I was like looking and I was like I don't know where you bought it from. But you know who cares? But you did like, beautiful dude, work. For now, beautiful work. for now, yeah. baby steps. Yeah, baby. Yeah, you, steps. Did, you did good, man. We threw away. All if you want to follow, we went through all of our pantry like soda, like like regular soda. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like because we usually have like Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero, in case like you know friends come over for Jack and Coke. But sometimes we'll get food and we're just like, fuck it, let's just have a soda with the food. So we just threw away everything, got rid of all the desserts, sweets. Okay, look at you. I've never seen you so positive, Chris. I am commending. No, I, w- I, am, I want com- him to be. I'm commending you right now. I know. I was waiting. I don't like the underlying connotation, bro. Like that's, I was that's, that's waiting. I was like, this, I'm a good person. Come man. on, man. I'm a good person. Why do you guys do You're that? not being honest to the listeners. I'm being very honest to the listeners. I'm proud of him. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll give him two weeks, and then you. No, this, this is true. Come on. He's been he's been pushing me for like 20 years. No, I'll shame him if he stops. There you go. Yeah. Now that you said that you you signed up, now he's gonna be checking in. I'm 100 percent supportive. Right yeah. up until you quit. I, I went and got my and Apple then, Watch, and then I will pull that out of the drawer. So nah. that's being charged right now. So tomorrow oh, morning. Oh, you messed up. Now he's gonna friend request you. Mm-hmm. Game now over. I'm gonna check you daily. Yeah. You know what he's gonna do, right? Yeah, work out today. We reverse your challenges. We reverse. We reverse engineer. <laughs> you tell me you're gonna wake up early in the morning. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna check your stand goal. I'm gonna see how yeah. early did you wake up. The stand goal on that one by the time it hits 6 p.m. or 6 a.m., <laughs> yeah. we're going to know. Exactly. And you know what it's going to be, right? It's going to be fat jokes all day. <laughs> all day. Don't make me do this to you. Oh, I don't want to do this to you. Right. I, I, I you. can't. This is public now. So on now Thursday, is, now exactly. Thursday, I'm going to get ripped if I don't go to the gym tomorrow morning. And more ways than one. So, <laughs> and uh, on to more inflation yeah. conversation. So, um, so the Fed is saying they need to continue to bring down wage growth. To bring down inflation further. 100% they do. Okay. So if I know they're not trying, it's a by, it's a byproduct. If people lose their jobs, they're not trying for people to lose their jobs. But if unemployment does but go it up. But it's the natural consequence of what they're doing. And this, this yes. disconnect of people is crazy because they haven't lived through it. But home prices need to come down. Yes. Unemployment needs to rise, i.e. Right. loss of jobs. Right. And wages need to come down. And this wages need to go. This is the byproduct. The, exactly. So if the Fed is saying in their minutes that they need to bring down wage growth, mm-hmm. okay, how does that happen without people losing their jobs? If people lose their jobs, there's less competition on the market. Companies don't have to, you know, give all these perks and, yeah. and have to give these people these crazy paying jobs. Do the jobs. People would be willing to accept less paying jobs just to get a job. That's how you bring it down. You know what I'll say? I honestly noticed this for the first time in my adult life. The level of entitlement to some employees is unbelievable. We wow. did this as a society. Mm. We, we, we overperked the job environment where people mm-hmm. forget, like, you're going there to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the stuff that people have said, it's, it's, I, it's incredible. I know, and I know you probably can't disclose it. Wait. No, no, I see a lot of it on social media, too, where mm. you see, like, the rhetoric. People are like, oh, my God, I got fired. And you, I mean, they just start going off. And you're like, 
how entitled are you? Mm. Like, what, what are we doing? Right. Like, you should be happy to have a job. People are getting laid off, and you're like, I can't believe they took away my free breakfast. Those <laughs> bastards. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a real thing. Like, people uh, like, we did this. Well, I know a lot of people sign up for, take those jobs, though, because of the person. I remember that Odun used to work at this company that actually had a full, like, uh, cafeteria on site, right? And when you factor in, like, he was factoring, if I eat, like, you know, breakfast and lunch there, you just do the math, that's an extra 10K a year. Okay, well, I get that, but what I'll say is, is, is these are not the reasons we work. Right, exactly. These are perks of the things that we yeah, got. When times work. are good. When times you, are good. Yeah. Times are not good. And, but here's the crazy thing is consumers are still spending. Mm-hmm. Consumer discretionary spending. I thought in April of last year, we would see a consumer pullback. Right. And we haven't. And as a matter of fact, this, an NPR article, which I'm not a huge fan of NPR, mm-hmm. headline, despite high inflation, Americans are spending like crazy. Yep. And it's kind of puzzling. Now, if that isn't catch your eye here, the inflation remains high, yet many Americans went on a spending spree last month, eating out at restaurants and shopping for cars. And just anecdotally, if you're shopping for cars and we're already at all-time high auto debt, mm-hmm. we're already at all-time high credit card debt and you guys are eating out at restaurants all the time. Like, mm-hmm. At what point does the people start going like, oh my... Everybody in the show that listens knows my financial position is not one that I consider to be in jeopardy right now, mm-hmm. right? Just I've done the right things financially to get to where I'm at, to where it, there's multiple streams of income. Yeah. And I am freaking out myself. I told my wife, I said, you got two gym memberships. You got a private gym and you go to Equinox. You need to pick one. Yeah. I've been literally thinking about all the things I can do to cut back on expenses. Right. I am legitimately afraid of what comes next. And the fact that all these people are walking around like not afraid at all. Right. It's like that entitlement that you think you deserve everything from your job reaches over like into this entitlement to where I can always get a job. And I, I don't know how to say this to people. It's not always going to be like that. Right. And I'm, I, I, I lived through the Great Recession. It feels like there's like this blind trust in what, you know, U.S. economy is. Don't have it, man. Don't yeah. have it. I'm telling you right now, that's the most toxic thing you can do for yourself. Arun hi- highlighted this. Personal spending rose 1.8% in January, according to the Commerce Department on Friday. As consumers splurged on both goods as well as services like going out for meals or the movies. And I've been going to a lot of movies, I will admit. Lots of people have money in their pockets to spend thanks to strong job growth and rising wages, as you noted. Retirees also got a raise this year. Social Security benefits rose by 8.7% in January, which I'll say is kind of a misnomer in that Social Security is too low. It's not it's a, it's a whole lot of money. I think we yeah. talked about it. it was like an extra... $140 or something per paycheck. It's large average. cost of living increase in decades. And honestly, Social Security for people that are in that demographic, it's just not enough. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take that with a grain of salt. But what I'll say is this, is, is it blows my mind that people are still spending when I am, I am seriously afraid. I remember what it's like working through the Great Recession. Yeah. I remember the uncertainty of not having a job. You know, how do I pay rent? Like, I, you know, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And walking through all these scenarios in my head, and people seem to be so carelessly just, I'll figure it out. Right. It'll be all good. Kudos to them; they have the confidence because I don't have confidence like that. Right. Even at my job now, in 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 my point in life, in my investments and things that I've done, mm-hmm. I still freak. I'm still freaking out. Right. I mean, with savings rates going down, right? The rate of amount of how much people are saving is going down. We know wages aren't keeping up with inflation. So we talked about it earlier. Your buying power has declined. 
The I looked this up. The average credit card APR was above nineteen percent. Bro, can, it, can you, it's insane. The last time it was that high was nineteen ninety one. Ninety one in the house, great year. That's a great vintage. Was it? Anything out of ninety one was just rock solid. Nineties was always great. Nineties good. Eighties fire too, man. Eighties, huh? Yeah, and you wouldn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Young buck, maybe. Yeah, so cute. Yeah, toddler. So I want to give you a perspective uh, shared by Stoic Media, who's quoting and really talking about Michael Burry, who's one of our favorite economic personalities. I will say Michael Burry has been wrong a few times. Michael Burry's big short. Mm -hmm. He's the guy. Mm -hmm. um, I like this because I think that there is some legitimate truth unfolding to what he predicted in what we're about to hear. So right. me, uh, Arun, go for it, brother. Michael Bowie tweeted this, inflation peaked, but it is not the last peak of this cycle. We are likely to see CPI lower, possibly even negative in the second half of 2023 and the US in recession by any definition. The Federal Reserve will cut rates and the government will stimulate the economy with spending and we will have another inflation spike. It's not hard. Now, his position seems to be quite clear that yes, inflation is falling right now. And this is actually likely to continue with CPI readings steadily getting lower and maybe even going negative in six or nine months. But this will happen at the same time as the recession kicks in and maybe even because of the recession kicking in and no one, not even the Biden administration will be able to deny it. Then central banks will do as central banks always do when there's a recession. They will cut interest rates, slash them back down to zero as they did after the dot-com crash, after the global financial crisis and after the COVID crash. Mm. So I'll leave it there. And I'll say there's there's some strong possibilities. And I think if you recall from the earlier shows that we did, probably uh, June, July of last year, we were talking a lot about Jerome Powell and his admiration for Paul Volcker. He made it very clear. That describes the same almost double dip type recessionary scenario Yeah, that Volcker had in 81 and 82. Right. And it sounds a whole lot like Michael Burry believes that's what we could be walking into. Now with all these numbers getting stickier and stickier like we predicted, mm -hmm. house prices have not gone down, unemployment has not risen, it's actually gone the wrong way. Right. You got a lot of bad prints. There is, and we believe that there's been a recession since January 1, 2022. We do. This could very well be a very similar set of circumstances to that 81, 82 in, in the Volcker era. I agree. And some, something else that I, didn't, I wasn't able to get into with the Fed minutes, they talked about Q4 GDP. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was, this was really fascinating because what I said on the last, I think, like an episode or two episodes ago was, I do agree with you. Beginning of 2022. Is that awkward for you to agree with me? No. Not at all. See eye to eye on some things. Just when, when we're, sitting we're sitting down. down yeah, yeah when we're sitting say, down. When you're standing yeah. up, it's Jinx. Like chin to chin. <laughs> right? I agree. Beginning, the first two quarters of 2022, we're likely in a recession. Okay. We were. Likely. That's yeah. a very soft pitch. No, we were. I, I agree that we're. I don't, I don't think that it'll ever come out and be declared a recession. What? Only because. Where is your faith in the National Bureau of Economic Research? <laughs> There's very, it's very few. <laughs> very few faiths? Yeah, very few, few faiths in very them. Very few faiths? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very, very <laughs> small. I don't, have, I don't have a lot of faith in them. You're so discombobulated, you got faiths. But the Fed came out in their minutes and they said that the numbers for Q4 GDP was distorted. Were. Yeah. Distorted. They were distorted. Let me tell you. So while this is what they say, while inflation remaining unacceptably high, participants expected that a period of below trend growth 
of real GDP will be needed. This is what they said in their in their minutes. So, so they, we re- they're saying we need a recession. We yeah we yeah we need negative growth. They're right? saying we need a recession. Right. So here's what they said. So you got to remember in Q4 we had growth came in at a positive 2.9 percent, but got revised down to 2.7 percent. Um, but this information was distorted. Here's the quote: Real GDP growth was bolstered by a large gain in inventory and notable contribution from exports. Both inventories and net exports are volatile categories. Regarding production, U.S. manufacturing output declined sizably in both November and December. The unexpected boost to GDP growth from inventory investment is not projected to persist. Bro, I know what you just did. I'm flexing on you and how well I can read. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that was good. That was all it was. <laughs> you just you did that. You probably practiced like 16 times before you Not came at all. There's all kinds of typos in here. And, a, I, and I just, read, I went right through oh, it. Oh, there were typos on the press written article that was proofread by 6,000 people, including an editor. Yeah. But you got it right. Gang, gang. Stop. <laughs> no, but did you see Stop. that? Like, so they, they, they acknowledge that it's, <laughs> that it was bolstered and those numbers are distorted. So if Q4 was also negative and Q1 and Q2 were then I agree. Then it should be declared a recession, but it wasn't, unfortunately. Okay, not yet. I still think there's hope. Mm-hmm. Okay, but let's talk about recessions since you go in here. Okay, and I went there first. I brought this article in the equation only because I'm an immature bastard. All right, and I want to be I want to be on the record for saying that I know I'm immature. From CNBC article titled "Fed Can't Tame Inflation Without Significantly More Hikes That Will Cause a Recession," paper says. Didn't say which paper in the height. Which paper? Yeah, this is a little ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. But here's why I'm an immature a chat, bastard. A chat GBT paper? Or we find no instance in which a central bank induced disinflation occurred without a recession, said the paper. Again, reference, but the author's here. Okay, Arun, I need you to be prepared to Google the last name. Co-authored by economist Stephen, I can't yeah, say. Good luck, bro. Cachetti, Michael Faroli, Peter Hooper, and my favorite, Kermit. Schnollholtz. Schnollholtz. Show, show, Schoenholtz. Man, I wish my last Kermit name was I wish my last name was Hooper. Let's not. Can you yeah, imagine? Hold on, I'm, I'm turning to Rune's mic. I want my first name. Give, give me some. Give me some Kermit Schoenholtz. What are you doing over here? Yeah, we need a little Rune, bro. We need to look up my guy. Yeah, Kermit Schoenholtz. If this been. guy's green, I'm out. Wait, I'm leaving the show guy? right old now. Guy? Young guy. Yeah. Oh, he's old. He's old. Shit. Come on. There's man. no way your name's Kermit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. NYU, baby. <laughs> he looks like a Kermit. <laughs> I mean, do you think you would ever get to the point where you would rock a horseshoe? The horseshoe hairline? Yeah. I See, mean, I don't. I don't know why people how, do this. I mean, if I was falling out of control, maybe, maybe. This is so due to my street. That's like an ultimate flex. Schools. Like this, this is how little I care. No, there's a dude on my street who literally has the, the horseshoe ponytail where it's got like, it's got the, I call it the Bobo. Yeah. The Bobo the Clown Ring. Yeah. And, but it's a ponytail. It's a ponytail. And he like always does it does like. Does he wear a hat so you can't no, tell? No, no, he rocks it out. He rocks it out. I don't, I don't understand. Like if your hair is that light, like you owe yourself the courtesy of just shaving Come the rest on, of man. it, right? Come on, man. You got to be a better like, friend. Wait, like, what does that ring add to you? You got, yeah, you got something, you know. Does I it don't keep get, the side of your head warm? I, I've always said this. I don't get mad. At him, I get mad at his friends yeah. that tell him he looks good. I want to slap his friends. It's not fair to him. And like you he's know, got bad friends. You see, there's only one that I think is worse than the Bobo. Okay, that's when they got like the little tiny like like ridge of hair in the front, but nothing else in the middle at the top. Oh, because yeah. that 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 receding hair. And they like they just slick it. They try to slick it back. To no, 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 no. Like usually they just. I was about like, to say that's my dad. I'm trying to see <laughs> where he's going. I'm trying to see where he's going. 
No, not the slick back thing. My dad for years, I love my dad to death, right? He had like the long side comb over to cover it. Yeah. And I could tell when I started thinning really badly that I started like having to style my hair a certain way. Right. <laughs> you know, pre-transplant to, to in order, like, I could never do like what I'm doing right now. I would have it back and it mm-hmm. looks thin like this, but I don't really care. Right. But I knew like, I was like, oh shit. Mm. I'm all those jokes I was thinking about my dad growing up. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, nah, man, yours looks good now. Right, $26,000 later, brother. <laughs> you Damn. know what I mean? Transplant survivor. Bro, my, my kid will be like grabbing my hair, playing with me. I'm like, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> don't pull my Honda. <laughs> yeah. Are you ever afraid of that? Right, what? Like, if he, somebody, what happens if, like, he were to pull it out? What would happen? It's real hair, you asshole. It grows back. <laughs> I don't know, man. It looks a little sus. <laughs> real hair. <laughs> I swear it is. <laughs> Although, I will tell you, like, uh, you, they, they call you to go back for, uh, for, like, checkups every, like, year on the anniversary. I think it's been, like, mm-hmm. two years for me. And uh, every single time I go in, they're like, you know, it looks great. But we can do another one. A lot of people do multiple, right? Yeah, they do multiple because you can get more density that way. I wanted a more natural, like, I, I look my age. Yeah. I'm not trying to look like I'm 25, I, although I could. You, you could? If I wanted to. Come on. How much more? How much more would the second one be? I'm sure it'd be at least 26,000. They got you for 26 the first time. They're not going to knock it. Yeah, they're going to go hit you over the head again for sure. Yeah, hit you over the head. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not a good situation. All right, let's move on from Kermit. USA Today. Are we headed for a recession? Noticing a theme here, kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> more, more economists think a 2023 downturn may come later than they thought. I, I only, I only include this article because the, the headline caught me is so stupid. Mm. But I'm gonna read this quote, and then I'm gonna let you tell me why it's stupid. Okay. Okay. 58% of the economists still say there's more than a 50% chance of a downturn in the next 12 months, according to a panel of 48 forecasters surveyed February 3rd through 10th by the National Association of Business Economics, or the NABE, which mm. I have never heard of. That's it right there? That's about the same share as in December in a similar survey. But just 28% expect the slump to begin in the current quarter compared to 52% who held that view in December. Instead, 33% predict their recession will start in the second quarter, and another 21% say will begin in the third quarter. What are we talking about, people? Bro, it's because yeah. the numbers and, came out like shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's going to happen. They're just Some of them are disagreeing on when it's going to happen, whether it's in Q2 or Q3. I mean, and first of all, what about the... Can we talk to the ones that don't think it's going to happen? That's a lot of numbers. Yeah. It doesn't say shit. Yeah. <laughs> It's all, yeah, exactly. And someone's going to read this article and be like, oh my God, we're headed for a recession, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but not because these idiots. Yeah, exactly. Here's what happened, okay? All these assholes predicted recession mm-hmm. in the quarters that did not happen. And they're like, but the numbers are really bad, Prince, man. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen later than we thought, though. Right. I mean, with, with the prints that have been coming out hot with PPI, CPI, PCE, jobs report another jobs report is getting ready to come out that comes out hot another inflation report comes out hot feds is going to have to do more work and the more work they have to do it's gonna create a i'm sorry to say this i know you're about to get upset a harder landing don't do that it is don't do that it <laughs> it is. Don't, don't play with me on buzzwords it is. bro it is it's gonna create don't, don't it that. is gonna create a harder landing but ultimately what i also think it's gonna do is it's gonna put it keeps it keeps pushing it out further and further you know i'm gonna coin a new phrase Let's do it. We got the a higher soft, standard for so, a soft landing. Mm-hmm. We got a hard landing. No landing. And we got no landing. And the higher standard, Uchi Wally Wally, Uchi Bang Bang landing. Oh, what does that landing represent? 
See, that landing's gonna hit you hard. Okay, real, real hard. Right. Okay. And then it's gonna hit you again. Yeah. It's going. It's going to hit you hard. That's why it's the Uchi Wally Wally Uchi Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a throwback for the old school listeners. What are you talking about? I made that term up. Yeah, that didn't come from nobody. Yeah, nobody else. Nas never said that. Yeah, don't come collecting Nas. We yeah. got. We don't. We don't got a sponsor. Yeah, and if you do, we're gonna play your song in the intro for every single podcast because yeah. you're suing us anyway. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uchi Wally Wally Uchi Bang Bang Recession. Yeah. Brought to you by the Higher Standard. <laughs> So I know people are tired of hearing about recessions, tired of hearing about inflation. So let's move on to a rosier, more optimistic topic. Something, something that's showing that a recession's on the horizon. Hey, now, just because you interpret it that way with your chief economist mindset doesn't mean everybody else does, okay? I think that's what it means, man. But let's let, 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 let the listener be the sole determinant if that's true. Okay. Okay. Subprime auto lenders fold. As more Americans start to fall behind on car payments. Aww. It's from Fortune. Rune's upset that I cut off a title. Yeah. Pumpkin. Shush. We like to plagiarize here now. Yeah. Used car retailer, which tends to target consumers regardless of their credit history. Sounds not predatory at all. And subprime. Yeah. Said in an email to employees on Friday, the firm was ceasing all operations, closing its headquarters in Memphis, Tennessee. And that all employees would be terminated by the end of that business day. Jeez. Talk about a hard landing, the people said. Mm. The headquarters has about 288 people. Where did those people go? Find jobs. Of course, Arun here cut off the entire first half of that sentence. Like, I sound like a complete jackass because I didn't read my own first half of the yeah. quote. Hold on a second. Hold on. What do you have to say for yourself? Really? <laughs> what was the name? What was the name? I fucked up. Yeah. What, what was it? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. What was the name of the subprime auto? American lender? Car Center told employees the business was closing its doors a day after it pulled a $222 million bond sale from the market, according to people familiar with the matter. And then everything else I said before. Thank you, Arun. I appreciate you. This is supposed intern. to be a professional podcast. Right. No, I'm not allowed to call you intern anymore. It offends some people. Uh, yeah, exactly. Some <laughs> some people are like, no, nah, that's unacceptable. The good news is I don't have to ever worry about them listening to the show. They don't know. It don't. offends them when they listen to like the first five minutes and then talk shit and then <laughs> never listen to us again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, kids. But so, yeah, so I mean, so subprime auto owner, they, they tend to target people with lower credit scores, right? So- Maybe the, they don't have, you know, the best financial position. This is one of the most predatory businesses I can I can even like I, I But to uh, your point, to your point, these these people need loans too. So let me open up Pandora's box here a little bit, okay? Here's my problem with the subprime sub subprime. Subprime Subprime <laughs> auto industries. <laughs> with the subprime auto industry, right? A lot of people think that they're providing a service to people who have bad credit. Mm-hmm. That's not true in a lot of cases. Not in all of them, but in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. What they want you to do is pay an egregious interest rate because you can't get a loan somewhere else. They know you can't. They know you can't, or they know you're unlikely to get a loan with a lower rate somewhere else for sure. Mm -hmm. They hope you default so they can take your car and sell it to somebody else. Because now they made your interest, your payments, taking it back from you and resold it to somebody else. And now they're just making free money on money now. And at some point, they've already been paid off for the car because so many people have, have, have paid that car and had it taken away from them. Right. The repossession business is big time for them. And some of these people make a killing taking advantage of people in this situation. And I, I really, really have a difficult time with those who do this in a predatory and unsavory way. Yeah. It's fucked up. I know somebody that 
um, got a car loan from one of these like subprime auto lenders, and they were charging like twenty five percent. Yeah, it's not right, bro. Twenty five percent on your. Where's auto the usurious loan? laws to protect people in this country, man? Yeah. So, auto leasing. Here's a little fun fact. Yeah. Auto leasing is not really protected at all. Right. So you can get uh, an auto, and they use a leasing factor. They don't actually tell you what your interest is on most of these on most of these forms. That you'll see. Uh-huh. So you just get like a payment and your lease factor number, and you're supposed to figure out that you're paying some egregious amount of money. Yeah. Most people who get a lease are like. I just want my payment to be between this and this. Yeah, that's when you know you messed up. When you go to a car dealership and they try to get you fixated on what your monthly payment is. No, that's the industry standard leasing forms. Yeah. They don't even show you your interest rate on most of these things. Mm. It's such a deceptive business. And the worst part about it is usurious laws for the consumer do not protect them in the auto leasing space. So there's a lot of people, especially kids, these poor kids who come over from from wealthy families from China or like, you know, from, from somewhere overseas. A lot of Asian kids recently have been come over and they come from these wealthy families, affluent families. They're here on student visas. Yeah. They buy these exotics. Yeah. They don't want to buy them. They lease them. Yeah. So they lease them and they're paying egregious amounts of money. Now, granted, it's not their money per se. It's their family's money, but they get roped in these situations and these lessors just wait, can't wait for them to default. Right. Take the car from them, release it to somebody else. When these kids say, hey, you, you, you took my car. Right. Why did you do it? They don't want to get in trouble at their school. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to cause any waves. And they come from a very respectful country, right? Mm-hmm. What do they do? They go, okay, look, man, I know we took your car, but we've already released it out to somebody else. But if you want another car, right, we'll, we'll lease you this one. And they get a new lease payment up front. And they right. get new payments on top of that. It's, I mean, it'd it's be messed nice, up business, man. It would be nice to see, based on what we saw uh, recently over the last couple of years in the used car dealership market, that if there was some, you know, ability to repay regulation to come in for autos so yeah that would, do, that would it would be it would be really refreshing so the dodd frank reform act which came out after the great recession yes really changed i think the landscape for how banks underwrote and lenders underwrote single family residents it absolutely did yeah but there wasn't something for cars like you to your point there wasn't something for credit cards mm-hmm. i think there needs to be you need to give people loans that they can truly afford right and if they can't, there's got to be special circumstances and carve outs. I'm not saying make it hard to have capital to you know for people, but if they can't afford to make the payment and you know that, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be allowed to give them a loan, much less one with a 25% interest rate. That's well, that's wrong. It's predatory lending. It's terrible. Yeah. And people are like, well, I'm taking on high risk of default. Okay, then don't take on high risk of default. Yeah, then charge them like a couple points more. 25%? What are we doing? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, yeah. It, it's, it's egregious. All right. Housing crash. According to Business Insider, Business Insider, grain of salt, prices will sink in these cities as supply tops demand. Really? <laughs> Come on now. Supply tops demand. Here's a quote from the article. Even if every single home under construction was completed and listed on the market immediately, mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs explained, quote, the, m- the month's supply of homes, the ratio of inventory to annual sales would still be historic average, be below, below. historic averages. Fuck, oh, Jesus! I, I wanted to read this End for quote. you so bad. I, I knew. I, I saw. I saw where the misstep was coming, and you fumbled it. But it's okay. You know what it was? Is <laughs> because it's a Business Insider article, but it quotes Goldman Sachs, and it just every time I read the article, it just throws me yeah, off a little bit. Exactly. Especially because I get a little bit of like Tourette's when I watch this. Because right. I read this because it's just like, come on, man. The month supply that it, that they're referring to. Is I think right now we re- we listed recently uh, on another episode. We're currently sitting at around three months. Yeah, a little over three. A little over three months, and we know a, a healthy a healthy supply would be six months. six months. And we were close to five not too long ago, mm-hmm. even during this. But he, this is such a bullshit fallacy that supply is only one part of a healthy economy. 
affordability is such a huge piece, as we referenced at the top of the show, mm-hmm. that this doesn't matter. Home prices are set to drop by double digits in Austin, Seattle, Phoenix, San Francisco, according to Goldman Sachs. Right. Well, guess what? It's not because the supply in Austin, Seattle, Phoenix, and San Francisco somehow ballooned up. Right. It's because shit's crazy expensive in these places. Seattle, Pacific Northwest, notably expensive. I love huge, the listeners out there, though. Huge, huge, huge fan base in yeah. Seattle. Why? Yeah, we, we love why Seattle. Did, why do they like us? We love them. We love them. I don't know. Yeah, number one fan base. Yeah, just huge, hugely. If you're in Seattle, we fucking love you, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Jesus. <laughs> Austin, you know, they have a, they have a, they have a huge growth there. Uh-huh. Not so many listeners in Austin. <laughs> we got a lot of listeners. What's up, Austin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where are you at? Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona had a huge amount of growth. I would say as big as the rest of them in San Francisco, we already know has been hit pretty hard. Right. Especially the tech space there. So this is not a supply thing. I, I mean, I get what Goldman Sachs is saying, mm-hmm. but really this is not a function of more units coming on the market. This is a function of there being less buyers. I'm, I, I'm really interested in seeing what happens to the submarkets around San Francisco and Silicon Valley because I know a lot of those cities, like we, we know a lot of people that um some family that live up in fremont you know uh that's up in the bay area thank and, you for the geography lesson there okay well Virginia. i don't know if a lot of people have heard of fremont i don't know how common that is but for us growing up we used to travel there a lot because we have family that lived up there and i know that the housing market up there went absolutely crazy because people were buying homes over there so i want to know what's going to happen to those neighboring cities where people were living at it because now you know a lot of tech spaces are closing down some of their office spaces they're they're right sizing and even their office spaces, so people are able to move away and still work remotely, meaning that I don't know what it's going to do to that submarket over there. So I think there is a continuing trend of people being frustrated with their jobs in corporate America because of their exposure to stuff like this, because work from home may have worked for them and they want to go back to the office, or now they're permanently working from home, mm-hmm. but... They're expected to work a lot more than they want to. I think a lot of this will boil over mm-hmm. and change the landscape of the job environment. But more importantly, I think the home prices in and of themselves are going to go down regardless of these things. Yeah. Because of what the Fed's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Consumer discretionary spending can't keep going. And I think once you have this historic high credit card debt, historic high student loan debt, historic high auto loan debt. Right. People are going to have to tap some some emergency button. And we know that two out of three consumers don't have $400 for an emergency situation. Exactly. Which, by the way, a couple of years ago was $1,000 for an emergency situation. I know. Now 400 Okay, fine. So what's the relief valve? They've got equity in homes. Yep. So maybe that's, maybe that's what sparks the market and puts more inventory on the market, further lowering prices because more supply in the market. Right. You, that, know? you know, and like... Back in the day, in like previous like recessionary economies, people may have been able to take some cash out of their houses, and they didn't have to show the ability to repay some of that, those loans. Now, now there's all kinds of new challenges. Yeah, and if you've been laid off recently, and then you're not in the same business anymore, let's say you decided to switch industries, it can become difficult to get a loan. Exactly, almost as difficult as Open Door's ability to actually assess the value of a home. <laughs> yeah, that segue. That segue was a little. Mm. 
We tried. That was good. A for I, effort. I felt that was a pretty solid segue. It was, it was pretty good. She's staring right at us. Yeah, <laughs> that is. A, me feel I don't, very I don't even know who this lady is. I know why they put her poor. Yeah, this it, poor lady just seems like the strangest she, Caucasian lady. She now represents Open Door. Yeah, I don't she, get it. She looks like the Theranos chick. She does. <laughs> That's who I thought it was. Yeah, <laughs> Hi, welcome to Theranos. <laughs> <laughs> Open Door closed out 2022 with two straight quarters of losses, going through what I like to call an Open Door recession. Wow. Wow. Well done. Tanked by its sinking home buying business. Mm. Oh. The iBuyer posted a net loss of $399 million in the fourth quarter. What I like to call a rounded up number of $400 million in the fourth quarter, kids. Damn. That's a problem. According, according, it's according to its earnings call. That's not me. That's the, that's the written that, text. You, yeah, that's, that's not, not that's me. not your fault. That's not me. Its earnings call this week. The company made two point nine billion in revenue last quarter, down twenty five percent year over year, while also doubling its losses from the previous year to one point four billion net losses for twenty twenty two. Where does Open Door go from here? I'll tell you where they go. Right to jail. <laughs> right to jail. Every time. <laughs> right away. Every time. So I, I looked this up before the show. I didn't even know how, how they even operate. So I guess what people, uh, how they would sell their homes is you call them, they just come out to your house, they assess it. They don't really, they don't actually go out to all the houses and assess it. That's kind of like a new thing they've been trying to really enforce because this bit them in the ass pretty badly. Yeah. Well, they should, they should have gone out and you can You can, in theory, go look at a house without a realtor. The idea is here to cut the realtor out of it, which... I agree with their premise. The realtor is overpaid. Yeah. Realtors getting paid two and a half, three percent mm-hmm. per side. Yes. So a seller has to have to pay somewhere between five and six percent to sell their home. That's crazy. But most people trust the realtor who's going to put together their transaction and organize this this vehicle for them to get into a purchase. Right. And they think that they're going to work in their best interest because you know they'll get a bigger cut out of it if they do. And they're supposed to be a fiduciary. Oh, Carrie Wheeler, that's their that's their chief executive officer. Carrie Wheeler serves as open door chief chief executive officer. I like to call her the chief loss officer. <laughs> and a member of Open Door's board. Yeah. She previously served as the company's chief financial officer, so she knows how much money she's losing. And an open door's board. Wow. Prior to Open Door, she was with TPG Global for more than two decades, a leading global private investment firm mm-hmm. where she lost private money. <laughs> At TPG, Dang. she was Karen a partner. Wheeler tech catching strays, dude. And Damn. led its investments in the consumer and retail sectors straight to jail. Yeah. She's been on the boards of numerous companies, including leading brands such as Dollar Tree. How's that working out for Dollar Tree? Neiman Marcus, Balso Hart, and Petco Animal Supplies. So two out of three L's. That's dude. fine. No, Dollar Tree, they're pretty profitable, aren't okay, they? Okay, okay, fine. Petco, really? I don't know. And currently sits on the board of API Group. Never heard of them. As an experienced executive, investor, and board member, Carrie brings a wealth of experience across different industries, finance, and strategy to the company. Think she wrote that bio? I think a good a good team probably wrote that bio. Yeah. Isn't Eric Wu the former guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's the former CEO. They just, they just replaced him, right? Really? He stepped out at the right time? Yeah. So technically, I don't think this is- He saw the writing on the wall. This is her fault. I think this is his fault. I think yeah. it was his shit, shit moves and her stepping in, but yeah. I recall correctly. Yeah, new leadership structure. Eric Wu was the CEO and co-founder of Open Door. So Q4. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Q4, $400 million. What do I left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on my watch. Hey, Eric, uh, you lost $400 million this quarter, right? Yeah. You're fired. Yeah. I, I founded this company. I started it. Yeah. yeah you, and you fired. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, Eric. You suck. How does, so explain, explain to people, how does that work? So if he's, he's, he's the CEO, I think a lot of people think that 
how does the CEO, how does the CEO of the company, you know, because he probably you, he, either A, he steps away because he doesn't want to be associated with this anymore. Right. Or B, like the board asked them to step step down. How does so, this, how does this play out? So I don't think um, I don't think Open Door is public, right? They're still in their their, their seed route. I think they're yeah. still fought round funding investment funded. But um, mm-hmm. so here's the way this works. Oh, they are they're open on the Nasdaq. Okay, my bad. That's terrible. That's not one point four four a dollar and forty four cents down sixteen cents. That's what you call it. fucked up, kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What's fucked up is her taking on the role. No, no, no. She's a former CFO, right? So no, yeah, this, this this is a natural segue. Uh, I think so. It's usually the chief operating officer, the CFO, who steps in that in the role as CEO, and usually the CFO has a broad financial lexicon, if you will, and understanding of, of how to run the company from a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. It makes them a very logical choice, and generally speaking, the, the chief operating officer doesn't always have that, mm-hmm. so they don't have the financial piece, so they can be great in front of people, but they won't necessarily be able to speak to how the, the company performs. Mm-hmm. And when you're a publicly traded company, you need to be able to speak to the secondary market, but also run the business and understand the human element as well. So... The, the CFO being uh, put in that position is not an uncommon thing to happen. It's, it's very common. There's also presidents who could be rolled in there. It depends on the industry and the, and the business, but you know, depending on the roles, there's a number of people who can be elevated. Mm-hmm. So now the argument is, is if she was CFO during this time and he was CEO, she did have some involvement in the decisions which ultimately led them to this loss level. Absolutely. So even if they weren't necessarily her ideas and her leadership, she was part of the management team. So the argument could be made that she was a part of these losses, mm-hmm. right? So better for a stock price, though. What do you think for someone that's within the company to step in? It's continuity, yeah. for sure. You get continuity of culture, but surprisingly, for, I think for most people, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, who your founder and remain CEO, so most people don't know this. Like the way Zuckerberg structured Facebook stock, he essentially can never be voted out. He has like different class, like preferred voting stock, and the way he owns his whole structure is it's a dictatorship, huh? And it happened a lot in the finance in the, in the tech sector where really savvy attorneys found a way to structure it so the founder could not be kicked out under the under the structure because typically speaking the board has a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders mm-hmm. okay and founders very rarely continue to be ceo because they're not they find they they found a company they start from the ground up but it's very rare they actually are successful at driving the company into and through scalability yeah okay but to, just to go back one second when you nope. say fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders yeah. What, you, what you mean is the people that own stock in the company, mm-hmm. they have a responsibility to make sure they protect that value. So the board's job is to oversee management yes, and the, the aggregate plan, but they're not involved in the day-to-day management of the company. They're involved in the trajectory of the company and making sure that and holding management accountable. Right. right? And then how do, how do those members get selected? And I'm watering down their duties a little bit yes. just to make it more colloquial. The, the board members are usually selected... Uh, so the board has a, I mean, typically depending on the, how big a company is, if it's large like this, they have like a nominating governance committee, mm-hmm. right? Who will bring in potential nominees and then they vote via proxy. Or right. So the annual shareholder meeting will vote in the board of director members. Right. Because you got, you, you'd have to wonder like, how do the, how are these people deemed worthy to be sitting in this position? Worthy is an interesting choice. What I would say is what's surprising to most people is some boards actually have an ownership requirement. So you could be required as a board member within the period of call it two years or five years, and every board's different. It depends on their their articles and their bylaws and whatnot. Um, to have a certain amount of stock that you own in a certain amount of time, but generally right. speaking, depending on where you're at, you want to have somebody who's. And this is what surprises most people. Like if you have um, like a social media company, yes, most of your board members are not social media background. 
they're from different backgrounds. Okay. Like they might have an accounting background. They might have a finance background. They might have a, a search engine background. They might ha- have an internet-based background. And you would think that you would, this is how you would want it, right? Well, you want the diversity of background in mm-hmm. effect, but you also don't want the conflict uh, of interest of having a competing competitor in the exact same space. Now, I would oh, say yeah. a competitor from a much larger company and a much smaller company, probably not in the same pond, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're at Yahoo and you go to Google, those are probably the two largest search engines. But if you're going to a startup and you're going to help them as like a subject matter expert on their board, it's probably a different set of circumstances. Yeah. So it really comes down to each company's different discipline, their yeah. sector and what they're doing. And, then, and we've talked about this before, how like someone like Carl Icahn could just buy a shit ton of shares and be like almost demanding a seat, right? Well, he would come in as an activist investor. Yeah. Um, that So Icon on Netflix, I think it was what it was on. Maybe it's on HBO. Mm-hmm. I, I love I love the idea. So when I was a kid and I was in school, I really wanted to be an investment banker. And then I, I, I heard about Carl Icahn back then, and I kind of romanticized the idea of what an activist investor was. I, I didn't really... I don't really think that I, I have any feelings about any type of any type of way. I just I just didn't think that investment banking was my vehicle. But so typically speaking, an activist investor like Carl Icahn can buy up shares and then start effectively a proxy battle to get their board members or themselves on a board, depending on how they structure it with the capital that they control. Right. Uh, and then what they try to do is they try to usually typically force a company to sell or to right. merge or to streamline or to improve. They usually have some type of plan mm-hmm. to get that done. And then people say they're the shareholders at the annual shareholder meeting. They say, you know what? I like Carl Icahn's plan. I'm going to vote his people into play because the board needs change or they they should sell. There's all kinds of politics involved in this too. It it can be very, very political. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not, um, it's not for the faint of heart. And I would say that if you, so here's what I'll say. If you look at Carl Icahn, he is somebody that I look at and I have a tremendous amount of respect for what he's been able to accomplish in his career. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a very stigmatized thing. Yeah, absolutely. You can see how it could be used, you know, poorly. A hundred percent. It could be used for personal gain. Right. Totally for, and a great example of that, I think everybody's will recognize is the original Wall Street movie. Yes. The original Wall Street movie was really about an activist takeover of a company. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, Blue Steel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Endicott loves Blue Steel. Remember that whole yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. The, the line. So... That was a, was a great example of what that can do to a company. You can either build it up and restructure it and build value, mm-hmm. or you can completely tear it apart. And typical Wall Street people that fall into what I would call as the bad activist investor, all they want to do is force the company to sell because they believe they can make more money and they do it under the auspice of this is the best thing for the shareholder. Right. That, that sometimes, it's a tough thing to tell. I, I don't really know if there's... It's it's hard to measure someone's intention that way. It's hard to measure intention. It's hard to 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 measure integrity, and it's hard to know if someone's really right or wrong. Right at the end of the day, it comes down to what the shareholders can be convinced is right for the company. Isn't that essentially what Elon did too with Twitter? He got like nine percent of the shares, and he wanted to see on the board, and they said no. So there is a reporting requirement once you hit above, call it nine percent. It's probably a little bit more than that, but yeah. once you hit, you have to be reported as as a holder of a large chunk of shock, stock. Shock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what he was intending on doing, but I think more, Elon's a very disruptive kind of guy. He's different. Mm -hmm. So when he, when he goes in, he's not necessarily doing his thing, but he, um, he bought 9.1% stake in, in Tesla, I'm sorry, Tesla and Twitter. And then Twitter invited Musk to join his board of directors and an offer he initially accepted before declining. Oh, so he declined it. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and again, so he went a kind of a different path. He wasn't an activist. He wanted to buy the company. Yeah. 
And it's not uncommon for some of these people to buy the company and take it private. As a matter of fact, in Wall Street, that's what they did is they, they bought the company and took it private. Right. Yeah. So, mm. again, people think that the public companies are like the, the, unless you're trying to create a liquidity event for yourself or there's a reason to go public, I think people romanticize that way too much. Really? Yeah. How so? The idea of, of taking a company public sounds great. It sounds like your company's big and it's amazing. It's got this profile. It's got right. notoriety. It's like the original checkmark verification. <laughs> right. But at the same time, what are you doing? You're really inviting in the world into your company. Yeah. It's no longer a matter of you running a company, making decisions you think is right. You have to answer to a, a shareholder. Right. Those shareholders are your boss. Yes. And the board is looking out for the shareholders. Right. So it, it's, 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 a on- very, it's a very complex situation. And I think a lot of people underestimate the shit out of how stressful being in like executive management is for a publicly traded company. Especially when you've built these long tie relationships with, you know, the people you're working with too, right? Because at some point in time when when it was private, you're growing the company and you're looking out for the best interests of, you know, the employees too. So now now it's a balancing act. So Arun brought this up. Uh, Chief Executive Officer Carrie Wheeler, who replaced founder Eric Wu, this is at uh, Open Door. I like to call it dirty shits. Mm. After the company reported a $928 million net loss in the third quarter, uh, said in a letter to shareholders, the company sized the losses in relation to the market's correction in the second half of the year. I would like to point out (laughs) that at one point in time, a guy who's a doctor, Mm. who's apparently a good surgeon or some shit like that, who also has a hobby of being like a a data junkie and writes for Seeking Alpha, Mm. he tore me a new asshole me being critical of open door really he's, he's like their biggest fanboy and he, Wait, writes, he just believes in the business model what was he he believes in the business model and he th- he's all he saw was that i had a real estate broker's license and he's like you're biased and i'm like i'm giving you my objective opinion on the fact that i think that that, that this is where it ultimately goes and i think realtors should be displaced uh-huh. but this is not the way yeah, because he, he thinks just, you're biased to being a real estate agent, real estate broker, because that's how you make money. And since that time, I'd like to point out, in just two quarters, the company's lost $1.3 billion. <laughs> Oops. $1.3 billion. With a I have a question for you. In no questions. Like I'm sorry. You've got yeah, are you taking questions right now, sir? You have a ticket. <laughs> in a situation like this, is the board and the shareholders looking at Kerry like you did good? Compared to the previous quarter. it's So this is something that I always caution everybody about, okay? You never really know what happened at the board level because it's not public. And although you can do like a records and books inspection as an activist shareholder, you Mm -hmm. don't necessarily get to inspect the minutes of the board meeting. and You're not privy to that. Yeah. So we can surmise that the board has a level of confidence in her they didn't have in him. Mm -hmm. And there's probably a well-founded reason for that. Now, keep in mind, if they were to, if they ousted the former founder and CEO, he still owns a lot of stock. They probably formed an executive committee at the board or a, a committee, a subcommittee of the nominating governance committee. And they probably spent some time talking with outside counsel about how to approach this. But it wasn't like they just got together and were like, you know what, that Eric Wu guy, he sucks. <laughs> you get him <laughs> out of here. get him out of here. Wu, you're out. Yeah. Um, but there was probably some prolongated conversations. They probably had some internal interviews. They probably, typically speaking, on a company this large, they have a succession plan in place. So in the event that Eric Wu is gone, who would step up in his absence and what would that structure look like? Right. It's as simple as they could They could have named her in that succession plan or they could have said, we will seek outside uh, candidates. You know, it could be any number of things, but you never really know. Jeez. So, and that, that that's what makes this so difficult. And that's where like someone like a Carl Icahn 
if someone's like Carl Icahn and he's going, okay, you know what, you know, so and so and so left the company and they're telling me all these things, can you believe that? Or are those people saying that because they were fired from the company? Right. Are they saying that because they have an alternative? Yeah, agenda? you got to take it with a grain of salt. Now, here's the crazy thing is like when an activist investor gets involved, it's not in their best interest to ferret out your motivation if the story fits their narrative. Yeah. Why would they change it? Because either way, they make money, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't care if disrupting this whole thing because it's based on not fact. They look like if the stock's trading low, I can buy in low, I can get upside on potential stock price. And I can make more money on a multiple when this thing sells because I'll force them into M&A activity. I'm making money on the the appreciation of stock right, price. Force them into M and explain M and A activity. Merge and acquisition. acquisition. So yeah. force the company to sell to somebody else or merge with somebody else. Yeah. And typically speaking, get a multiple of the tangible book value. Right. So if they do merge or get acquired by somebody else, then the shares get combined with the other company and the value goes up. Yeah. So and then well, you get a multiple. So you get like one yeah. times five times the stock price or whatever right. the deal is. But right. You can make, you make in theory make more money that way. So. Right. It's it's a very interesting set of circumstances when you see some changes like this. And what I'll tell everybody is, is you can always think you know from the outside the optics, but you'll never really have a hundred percent knowledge of what happens in that boardroom, which is identical to how the FOMC meetings work, except you actually get to see their minutes. You get to see their minutes exactly. So if you do want to get insight into a company like that, and if you did want some like a vote of confidence, maybe the best way to do is check in and listen on those earning calls. I think the earnings calls are interesting. I, I don't think you get truly the, the because keep in mind, the executive management is having the conversation on the earnings calls. Mm -hmm. That isn't the board level commentary. Right. So it, 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 keep in mind, you're getting a different kind of look in the company. The yeah. executive management is responsible for managing the day-to-day. -day. You're getting the day-to-day -day conversations. Right. You're getting analysts from Wall Street who know them, know their sector, whose job it is to cover them. Mm -hmm. But you're not necessarily getting the board level insight as to what and why things happened. Right. So- um, the next topic, I don't want to move on from that and let you get more questions. No, no, no. Ruin, you're not allowed to ask any more questions. Cut his ass off. Yeah, cutting you off. All right, so I like this next article because I thought this is really indicative of what I hope is truly a pullback. Mm. But home modeling is home modeling. Home modeling? <laughs> My <laughs> home's a model. Home remodeling is slowing down, but historic boom is coming. Don't show off. <laughs> it was such a simple sentence. I know. I was just. I love models. America's <laughs> Americans looking to remodel their home are pulling back, but days after, days ahead of the oh, fuck. <laughs> I think I think I'm stuck on stupid every night. I swear to God. No okay, man, just just go to the graph. All right. So I like this chart because I thought it was really really interesting. This came from John Burns Real Estate Consulting, mm -hmm. and if any of you guys are shocked that I could say that in one sentence, I am too. Yeah. It it shows an interesting parallel. So searches on the internet for words like kitchen remodel and bathroom remodel, which are not needs, they are wants. I would want to remodel my kitchen. I want to remodel my bathroom. Exactly. Right? Those are down mm -hmm. significantly by about 30%. As they should be. While at the same time, searches on the internet for replace siding, replace roof, needs, things you need to do for your home on the same period of time are up about 30%. That's crazy that the it's all going bad right now and people are searching that right now. Well, no, but look at it's it's basically saying that the home improvement Google search and the interest like the wants yes are taking a secondary seat to what people need now yes. where just a couple months ago it was the wants were taking a priority in searches or they're about equal probably in some cases. Yeah. 
but it, it shows you that there is a there is a perspective shift on larger consumer spending items. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I would also like to point out, Arun, oh. what did you decide on your remodel of your house? Uh oh, I didn't know we were going into this. We didn't even tell you this. We told my sister this. Uh, yesterday. Wow, you see that? Yeah, you're not was, family anymore. Yeah, I'm just second fiddle. Yeah, you're we're busy with the kids. Second uh, fiddle. We're busy with the very kids. Gen- uh, we decided to hold off. Term for you. Why? Hold on, we'll get back to you in a minute. Who's the second fiddle? What are you, seventy? Well, yeah, I am. Second fiddle. <laughs> I tried to. I wanted to come in. I wanted to come in today with a full tracksuit. I think you should have. Would have matched the Nikes and everything. Well, but the wife said no. Second fiddle. Is that on your AR AARP card? Is like like <laughs> that's your rap name? Yo, fiddle in the house. Second fiddle. Second fiddle. Yeah, exactly. FOMC baby for life. <laughs> so wait, hold on. You guys pulled back? Yeah, we pulled back. We're gonna wait three years. Okay. Three years. Where did come that in. come from? Ah, uh, she did the numbers. We did the numbers. <laughs> she did the she did the numbers. Wow. Okay. So I, what? I'm what not, is? I'm not gonna touch that. So wait. So yeah. but why? Why? It's one of those things that we talked about. Like you, we, I mean, you and her, or the three of us, us. Yeah. Don't put me in. No, 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 no. Put this on me. Chris mm-hmm. came up with this. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. That mm-hmm. I plant the seed and make her think that it was her idea to wait. Dude, I said no such thing. Dude, you know, wow. I said no such thing. Wow. You told really? me exactly how to do I it. I did not. Why you are you see, going you, here? You, Don't do that to me. You told him to watch Inception. That's what I, you told him to do. <laughs> plant the seed inside her mind. <laughs> deep inside her mind. Yeah. No, I did not, yeah. not say that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So three years, three years from now. Yeah. I mean, look, right now it's it's a want, right? It's not yeah, a need. Exactly. And you so, guys, and, and here, on top of it all, they have a beautiful home. I, I don't, beautiful I, home. I don't understand. Like whoever sold you that home was a genius. <laughs> Can't believe you would remodel that thing. Right. All right, we got a lot more articles and not a whole lot of time left because I can tell that I'm losing everybody here just because you guys. You sit. you can't read. You want me to read this? Okay, I've got a reading problem. Yes, please read the next one. Right. Do me a favor, read who it's from and the title first, and then go ahead to the, the quote. So, which I prepared for you because you didn't do any research. <laughs> right. So an article from Forbes that I provided that Christopher provided the concept of being rent burdened means people spend at least 30% of their income on housing. Moody's found that for the first time in tracking the issue for 20 years, the national average rent to income ratio RTI RTI reached 30% in the fourth quarter of 2022. That was up 0.2% from the third quarter or 1.5% year over year. So there's some people over at Moody's that we don't mess with. Yeah, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> Mark Zandy, we hate you. Um, <laughs> but what we will say is that rent has gone to a point where it's taking considerably more of people's income than it had 20 years ago. And I, I think this is going to this is going to remain high because I was. You think about it, the type of people that are let's just say renting a home. What what type of people is that? Say people that need a need a bigger space for their families. And maybe are waiting for house prices to come down, or maybe don't have the down payment to put down on on a house, right? So they're they're waiting on the sidelines now until there's a, a you know inventory starts to pick up, people start to list, and affordability gets addressed. They're going to be stuck renting. So I don't see rent prices coming down quickly anytime soon. I would agree. Uh... And this, this is not even a fact for like some markets, like the five of them in the country that have like rent control in the states. So yeah, exactly. Those, those markets are completely different animals. But I will say, but rent control doesn't affect single family though, right? Uh, it can. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it does in California. Yeah, uh, not in California, but there's some states I think. If I, yeah. if I recall correctly, I'll double check. I'll fact check that one. Okay. I think I, think I only I only I only know that because I looked it up for a friend uh, out here. 
Run? Yeah, they got increased some like I increased ten percent. Didn't the state rent control? I think the statewide California rent control impacted single family. Mm, no, no, I think I'm it was pretty sure it did. Really? Well, we're gonna have to fact check this. Odun Odun doesn't even know where to begin googling this. No, because I I did an unlawful detainer action pro bono for the law firm, and we were we were restricted. Really? I'll have to double check that one. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, what are you looking up right now? Oh, the Fred graph. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain anyway. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it's not super super important to the. To the but yeah, I don't see I don't see you know rent prices coming down, um, for people you know renting houses right now anytime soon. There is a good chart. Yeah, this one right here, which is good. Um, all transaction house price index for the United States versus consumer price index for all urban consumers, rent of primary residences in the U.S. So it's basically house price index versus rents or, or home housing versus rent if you will yes and we know that both of them are high when you actually take the aggregate number and compare them like this they're higher than they've ever been before right so to give you an idea like around 2000 to 2010 like in between the recession just leading up to the great recession mm-hmm. it peaked at just over 1.6 in between 1.6 1.7 right mm-hmm. it is now peaking again starting to come down here we are at 1.7 where it peaked even higher than that yeah. You can't tell me we're not in a recession. Or at least on the way. On the way. Yeah. Double dip. Double dip. Volker uh, era back. Volker. Volker's still alive? Uh, no, he died. He can't be, right? No, he died. Yeah. We covered that in a previous episode that you didn't listen to. <laughs> wow. We did. We did. I literally, we literally you're the talked one that, about you're it. The one, you're the one that's admitting now that you don't listen to any of our episodes anymore. You know, it's really hard to keep up, man. Like, I get so infatuated with the intoxicating sound of your voice that I lose track of everything. Uh, I can't drive while I'm doing it. It's very, go. it's very distracting. There we go. Yeah, very, very, very distracting. Speaking of distracting. <laughs> These people are wild, wildly distracted. I read this article and I thought, and I'm going to read this one because I need to, because I, I just need you to respond to it. I re- don't, Jesus Christ, Arun. Did you just say, oh, no? Oh, no. He this, was, this is why we mute your mic. He this, was. It is a long one. I got, I got it. I got it screenshotted over here. So and it's close to my face, so I can it's actually. Okay. He read got it. this. He got this. That that that, that, that makes me feel like you don't believe that I got it. Slow it down. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> I am going to read like this. All right. So I was innocently scrolling the internet, social media. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal put this in front of me. I didn't. I did not choose this. This chose me. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's wearing red Elevens too. Yeah, and this guy looks like he's a ginger. So it's hard. It's hard to articulate what's going on here. Mm-hmm. The 2022 crypto crash wiped out roughly $1 trillion in value and scared off many investors, but not all of them. Hopefully all of them. Aww. Saeed. (laughs) A number of everyday investors say they are continuing to put their money into crypto because they believe digital currencies are their best chance at building significant wealth. Some 39% of crypto owners said last October that they would likely buy more. According to a survey data from the philadelphia fed mm-hmm. my brother said that mm-hmm. yeah, he did say that jordan johnson took jobs at a bank and in higher education after college but said his pay stalled at fifty five fifty five thousand dollars a year and he lost patience with salaried work as a path to wealth he started a small business a home health agency that he runs in mesa arizona and tried buying crypto starting in january of 2022 with the goal of quick profits. So, you ready? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I took out some leverage and I just kind of went gung-ho, Johnson said. Yeah. 
All right, this is the panty dropper. This is this is unfortunate. You poured money into several digital currencies, some $90,000 in all, pulled from his savings, the proceeds from selling his house, and a business loan. His timing was disastrous. <laughs> Can't help it. Jesus. I feel bad for him. Damn, Wall, Street, human. Damn, Wall Street Journal came out. Like, such a this bad guy human. posed for your photo and everything. Yeah, then you he, said his he timing know. was disastrous. He didn't know they were going to write this. He didn't know. He's like, yeah, man, write an expose. Yeah. Wall Street Journal, this is great PR. Yeah, they, they just trashed yeah. Jesus. His timing was disastrous as one currency invested in plummeted in price and a pair of coins collapsed. He lost most of his investment. So what do you think Mr. Johnson does now? Of course. What does he do? Yeah. Doubles down, baby. Gotta keep going. Yeah, yeah. Bitcoin to the moon. Right. Can't have paper hands, man. You need diamond hands. Oh, God. Wow. Throwback. <laughs> Johnson is now back to investing, this time only in Bitcoin. I'm pausing for, for emphasis. As long as it's not NFT. <laughs> No, man, Might as well bad. be. Know, right? And with a longer time horizon, he said. He still favors crypto, he said, because he has less to gain from investing in the stock market than people whose families have been doing so for generations. What? Hmm. What? So because it works, he's like, I don't it, want yeah, to do it? It worked, it worked for his family for generations. So I'm it just worked for do, other families for generations. It, yeah, but I'm going to not do that. I'll do Because something. I have less to gain than they do because they got more money to play with. Yeah. What? what? It's called the long game, my friend. No, but he's investing this time in the long game, but in Bitcoin. Yeah, because that's the long did game. Did you not listen? No, I did. Okay. I'm saying it didn't make sense. Some individual investors' enduring enthusiasm for crypto stems in part from a sense that traditional routes to wealth are blocked off, say investors and researchers who study their behavior. Those everyday investors say those paths, I don't know why I squeaked squeak a little bit, <laughs> Such as earning income, investing long-term in stocks, and buying real estate seem less accessible and less lucrative than crypto, even with its significant risks. And I'm going to pause here and say, Mr. Johnson, you invested $90,000. He sold his house. Sold your house. Took out a business loan. Should have sold your Jordans before he's on your house. You could have put that money into a piece of real estate. What do you mean it's not accessible, bro? Come on, man. What, what? Why? If he would have put. If here's the thing, the people that are willing to take these kind of risks and do this amount of research, and if they just put it towards something productive, I mean, this is this is sad, and this is the dream that all these guys were sold. I've heard this time and time again from a lot of crypto investors that they feel like this is what they need to do in order to build the wealth they need to get the down payment to buy the house that they want or the investment property. So they treat the cryptocurrency like it's a stock and not use it like the currency that it's intended to be used as. I don't get it. Arun is desperately searching, searching for Jordan Johnson in Mesa, Arizona right on, now. On LinkedIn? Because you're on. a terrible human being. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just want to know what he does now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure he's doing something. That being said, the very next article I saw within five minutes of this one was an article from Forbes. Binance's asset shuffling eerily similar to maneuvers by FTX. I mean, we had to know it was coming. When you're the world's largest crypto exchange in a largely unregulated market, it is easy to make up rules as you go. In its latest backroom maneuver, Binance transferred $1.8 billion in stablecoin collateral to hedge funds, including Alameda 
and Cumberland slash DRW, whoever the hell that is. So are they saying this recently happened? Leaving its other investors exposed. Yes, sir. So he recently transferred money into Alameda Research? Still around, brother. What in the actual... I mean, that's what it sounds like. I mean, it was posted 13 hours ago. Yeah. Man. Wow, this this uh, Cumberland DRW site looks pretty dope. Providing <laughs> consistent deep liquidity to an innovative investors. That means nothing. With our unparalleled understanding of the market structure, what market? Cumberland helps investors and institutions capitalize on new ventures. What ventures? Working to ensure the ecosystem. What ecosystem? Continues to grow in feasible and renewable ways. So that said nothing. Absolutely nothing. Leading the way in crypto since 2014. At least we're not talking about crypto. Our knowledge and experience makes us a global leader in crypto assets in nine years. Really? You're a global leader? <laughs> so, okay. Cumberland is a subsidiary of DRW. What, so here's a diversified question. trading firm with over three decades of experience leveraging tech, research, and risk management to help institutions capitalize on strategic market opportunities. So I'm, I'm going to ask Odin this question. because Perfectly I, read, boys. I'm going to ask Odin this question because I know you know the answer to this. But I want to see. Odin, you, what, what gives the U.S. dollar its value? It's not backed by gold. Not, not backed by we silver. Off it's not backed center. by silver. What gives? Why does the U.S. dollar have any value? Because of people like you and me. Why though? Why? 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 Because of people like you. Don't you let him financial literacy shame you. No, I'm not. Don't let him do that. It's no. the faith. It's the faith that we have yeah. in the currency. We yeah, believe in us. it. We all have bought in to its value. How do people still buy into this cryptocurrency value? I know the pitch. You want it? Yeah, I want to hear it. Bitcoin's a commodity, man. It's just like oranges and grapefruits. <laughs> there's a limit. There's a limited finite quantity of them, and once they're tapped out, that's all you get. Mm. Bitcoin's to the moon, baby. I people argue this all the time. Man. I don't understand, man. I don't. I like it. Could it look in the last 14 years of artificial interest rate uh, inflation? Right. Let me ask you a question: Do UFOs exist? UFOs, yeah. Really? For sure. Aliens are out there. 100. percent Let me ask you this. The odds are more likely than not. More, okay, so you're telling me that aliens, right, that's capable of traveling a hundred million I'm not light saying, years. I didn't, I didn't say they came here. Just walk me to the logic that's here. That's not what I said. A hundred million light years away. Mm -hmm. They're capable of traveling through space. A hundred yeah. million light years. Right. And they want to go look at these hairy knuckle monkeys? I did not say. <laughs> I did not say they're here. That's not what I, I said. I mean, that's a long way to go for a zoo trip, bro. I didn't say, well, we can't be a Petri dish. Petri, okay, that's a long way to go to look at some poop you left behind for a long time ago to see if the base developed. I would like to imagine a, uh, a galaxy out there that is that technologically advanced that if they had that capability, they also have some type of telescope that they can look light years away, satellites flying around that we don't know about. Okay. okay. Hot air balloons. Hot air balloons, fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hot air balloons with the satellite link up to China. It's yeah, weird. just... Okay. Chinese print on the I, side. I like the idea of UFOs or UAP as they call them, unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm -hmm. But when you walk by ants, do you stop and look at them and, and like fall into amazement, or do you just walk by them now? Unless they're biting you, they don't they don't bother you. Okay. Not anymore. But what when about, I was younger? What about what about okay. what about chimps or gorillas? I got to be honest, I'm not really like that into chimps or gorillas. Mm -hmm. They're in a zoo. Maybe there's a couple like you know people got abducted in, in somewhere in like a cage in like a alien zoo somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's a human named Greg. Yeah, you know I don't know. I'm just saying like you know the things that we think are that compelling, we like to believe in them. Yeah, but the odds are not high. The odds it's it the odds are more likely that they're there than not. 
Okay, so let me ask you a question. In your mind, are the odds higher that UFOs exist or that cryptocurrency is a good investment? <laughs> UFOs, maybe to the moon. Really? Yeah. I believe you. I believe UFOs over, over crypto being a good investment too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the perspective I want people to keep, okay? <laughs> that's the title of the show. Fuck. <laughs> UFOs are more likely to exist than this actually making me money. Yeah. Think about it. We haven't had a recessionary economy in how long? 14 years. 14 years. How many times has Bitcoin dropped 80% in those 14 years? Why? Why did it drop? Everything else was booming, but this this dropped three times. It's crypto winter, man. You don't understand. <laughs> Come on. Shiba Inu. I'm still holding on. I'm still holding on to my prediction that's going to hit 12,000 again. Or Jordan. It's been it's, yeah. There. I don't know why he agreed to do this. He probably thought it was a PR stint. Like for how much he got paid for this? He's got Jordan 11s on, a hoodie. He's standing in front of a new Mac computer. It he's was, proud, too. It looks like his girl's office, though. He, it's very feminine vibe. He's rocking on. his polo hoodie, too. You know that that as a fly one. Yeah. You think the article came out and he was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they use my real name. Yeah. Like, they just had him pull up what his... Like, they said this would be a puff piece. Yeah. Like, he's got his yellow pad down. Like, he's actually doing work. I know. It looked like he actually, you know... pen in his hand. Look, I like how yeah. the mug is, is just positioned directly like, at the photo. What like, are you doing? You're just doodling Bitcoins? Yeah. You think he had that, <laughs> that, that J mug or they provided it for him? He had it, man. Oh, that's him. That's all him. But he, he positioned it towards the camera. Yeah, look. The handle's facing the other way. How are you yeah. going to grab that? Uh, he, he positioned it towards the camera. <laughs> yeah. I want y'all to see my name is Jordan Johnson. <laughs> In case y'all didn't know. In case y'all didn't know. I'm okay. out here losing, taking them L's. Fuck around, find out. Nobody takes L's like me. All right. Oh, Speaking of taking L's, taking West L's. 25. We didn't take an L? What are you talking Five about? Five-star review. That's a W. I don't know if you guys noticed this, and I didn't I didn't bring it up till right now. So this is, this is fresh info for you. Mm. Some asshole did leave us a three-star review. What? Oh, you see that? You see wow. the little tiny, 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 tiny gray mark oh. there? People, people, people see yeah. the fact that you're acknowledging it. And somebody left us a one star review. That was a, that was a while ago though. I didn't notice. I didn't notice the three star. The four star. Oh, I noticed it. Four star went away though. I, I smelled it. Yeah, I smelled it. Yeah. Okay. So West Twenty Five, we love you. We love all five of your stars. We love your honesty. We appreciate you, and obviously, you're a person of supreme intellect. Yeah, and high integrity. High integrity. And you know what? The world needs more people like you, West 25. 100%. Economy and entertainment. God damn it. That's exactly <laughs> what we are. Good job, man. You're the economy and I'm the entertainment. Yeah, pound these hairy knuckles. I cannot do that, Fluffy. Okay. Simplifying the complicated stuff, the economy and money, making it enjoyable and easy to listen to. Keep it up, gents. I mean, gents is a little bit of a stretch for you. Me, on the other hand. I am, I am a very much a gentleman. Come on. You're not being honest. I'm waxed. Yo, that's that's being that's a gentleman. Classy. Where's, we talked where, about where, this this weekend, Chris. Actually, okay. we had I, had I had an epiphany. You don't even know what that you're, word means. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it means. You know what it means? Uh, it means your face is a complete misrepresentation of the rest of your body. <laughs> oh, I've got a, I've got a bigger epiphany for you. Okay. And mine is unfortunately true and sad at the same time. Uh-huh. Okay. It's not that soft. Uh, Arun, are you really googling epiphany? <laughs> I thought you were gonna. We'll it's the out. manifestation of Christ uh, to the Gentiles as represented. What the fuck are you Googling here? Yeah. <laughs> manifestation of divine or supernatural being? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't like any of these definitions. That, that's, uh, Google's wrong. Yeah. That's chat GPT. <laughs> 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 so when I set out to get everything down there lasered mm-hmm. on the backside, mm-hmm. I in no way, shape, or form 
thought about the physics changes that I'd be going through. Oh. When you f- pass gas with no hair and no no buffer, oh, no. there's no filter. What? <laughs> Everything is like That's why yeah. Louder. Evolution was trying to help you out, bro. Evolution was trying to help you out. Like there there's a reason there's hair there. Exactly. It's like a buffer. Absolutely. Now what? And now like in I mean in everyone if you get like booty sweat, it's 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 too much. No. It's not a good I hope like things work out, but <laughs> It's right not, now, it, there's a lot of ass clapping going not, on. It's, it's not, not good for you. It's, it's not. It's it's a. It's a it I, sounds I, like you have buyer's remorse right I, now. And I don't have buyer's remorse. I'm just saying I'm I'm having a you're difficult like, you're like time. One guys, you're like adjusting. one of those guys. Like one of those guys that thought it was a good idea to get their head tattooed. The logistics oh. of this whole situation are not ideal, man. Like I'm I'm just telling you right now. Like it's easier to clean up. Mm-hmm. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. But certainly you've got to be careful what food you eat because you could wind up on the wrong side of the sound. Mm. Mm-hmm. I get, all I get is mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm not I'm not you're not gonna engage you, that you should, I mean you should have known better this is all why right. you deserve you deserve every bit of that well before we say goodbye to everybody let's just both acknowledge that I should start the shows no you did hold on you you did you've done four my first one was better than your first one hands that's down that's not true Arun you start off real strong but like you ended very poorly yeah, yeah that, that's it say goodnight Arun I always knew you were a <laughs> Come on, man. That's why you can't sit next to the board. Stop it. <laughs> Say goodnight. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.